0: Hi there guys welcome to this afternoon's live stream we're going to be talking all about why you might be getting tingling in your fingers uh this is sort of particularly for those with neck pain but the principles that we're going to talk about today will also apply to if you're getting any sort of sciatic type symptoms so we'll go into a good bit of detail so you can really understand that we've got lara behind the camera as always so she's going to be taking any questions so if you've got your questions do please put them in as soon as you think of them. So Lara can then read those out at the back end of today's Q&A, and we'll go through those for you. As always, if you're new to the channel, please do consider subscribing um, if you find these useful and hitting the notification bell, so you make sure you stay up to date when we do our live streams. Today's been a bit of a different time of day as well. Um, So if you're watching this after the fact, do hit that notification bell so you know when we're going live in the future. Tomorrow's we'll be back at the usual time of 8.45 a.m. Uh, I think this is gonna be the same for the rest of the week. So with that being said, we'll get into today's live stream. So we've got a few um, expert drawings on the back behind me, which I'm gonna go through in quite a bit of detail for you guys today. Uh, hopefully it'll really help you understand this, whether or not it's, it's sort of tingling in the hands or tingling in the toes. Uh, this really should help you guys better conceptualize this. It's one thing that I find a lot of patients um, sometimes uh, maybe fail to grasp or, or don't quite grasp effectively. So that although when you tell them they go, yeah, well, that makes sense, they kind of forget and then take actions or refer to the situation in a way that doesn't help them address the underlying situation. So uh, we'll go through that. We're gonna go through the two main types or main types of or main causes for tingling in the hands. Uh, we're gonna go through diabetes, which I'll kind of kick out of the way first, because that's relatively short um, to discuss and then sort of how you can help it. And that will become self-evident as we go through the live stream itself. So first and foremost, just the diabetes is a very common phenomenon known as glove and stocking uh, distribution of this pins and needles and tingling that we get in our hands. And essentially it's caused by the vascular damage that's associated with diabetes whereby these little tiny blood vessels get damaged as a result of the fluctuating sugar levels in our body. And those tiny blood vessels control the nerves, the ends of those nerves. And often it starts, the damage starts furthest away from the heart. So commonly it will actually start in the feet, the toes. And then as it goes through the toes, it'll start coming into the hands and then it'll start coming up. So we get that glove and stocking distribution. So if you're getting that sort of situation, it's always there, it's it's caused by nerve damage. Um, And those with diabetes are very um, prone to getting this, especially if you've got long-term diabetes and it's not managed well. So that little bit of a separate one. We're going to talk more today about the sort of the mechanical side of things so we can give you guys healthy um, sort of action points that you can take away from today's live stream so you can deal with it. That's not being said, there's plenty of stuff that you can do if you are pre-diabetic or have any sort of concerns about diabetes to really improve your general health and well-being. And maybe that's one for another live stream. If you did would find that interesting and you're watching this, post it in the comments below and we'll consider doing a live stream on that because it is something that really affects a lot of the population and is actually so preventable. It's, 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 it's really concerning, the fact that it is so preventable. Um, so let's get into the two types. We've got some drawings on the back here. I'm going to cover the first one first because this is the most common and maybe requires a little bit more explanation and then we'll kind of go from there. So the first one is some sort of nerve issue and I wanted to start by there's, there's two main areas where we're going to get um, nerve irritation either mechanical or chemical that can give you those that tingling in your hands and the one way to identify the nerve issue is that there's a part of the hands or part of the fingers or some of the fingers that traditionally will get get affected. Now, the arm issue is a lot more simple to explain. Because everyone watching this, you've watched this, you banged your funny bone at some point. And that is where the ulnar nerve, which comes its, it's a, origins, much like the sciatic nerve has origins in the lower back, the ulnar nerve has origins in the lower part of the neck. And if we bang that nerve here, we will get funny feeling either here or down the arm. And that's because that nerve controls that part of the body. The brain is aware that that nerve goes to that part of the body, so any signals that come from that nerve, it will, it will categorize sort of the little finger and, the, and this finger and then down this side of the arm. And this expert drawing here kind of helps you guys understand how the brain thinks about these things. So we've got a nerve, and this is oversimplified, but I think it gets the point across. Any signals that go to the brain from the end of this nerve The brain will automatically assume that it's come from the fingers that that nerve controls. So, in the case of that argument I just did, it's going to be these nerves, these fingers. In other nerves, it's going to be these ones here thumb and first finger. In other nerves, it's going to be the back or front of the hand. So, the brain just knows that any signal that comes from that nerve is coming from the fingers that it is controlling. So, if we bang the arm here, we have an injury happening in the arm. And that sends a signal back up to the brain. But it's it's just the brain assumes that it's come from the fingers when we know full well that it's come from the arm. And and people have a very easy time grasping that concept because, well, I know I hit my arm here. So obviously, um, it's, it's not actually my hands that are the problem. It's It's my arm. I hit it here and I won't do that again because it doesn't feel very nice. But when it's the neck, because there's not a often the neck pain is built up over a long period of time, or the neck injury is built up over a long period of time, maybe we've got some arthritis, some disc injuries, etc. We tend to kind of forget this, and we just think, oh, we've got arm pain, we've got arm, uh, sorry, finger tingling, we've got finger tingling, but don't draw the conclusion. And if we've got a disc bulge here, it's no different. If it's affecting those particular nerves, then the brain will assume that there is a problem in the fingers, hence we get the tingling in the fingers. Now, I'm gonna take a slight deviation away from tingling, because this is very important. The nerves carry different bits of information. Some of the nerves carry sensation, hence we get tingling or numbness or uh, burning sensations. And other nerves within the same tube will carry muscle function. So they're called motor nerves. They basically help your muscles do something. So if you injure those or irritate those or bang those, you might get weakness or you might get contracture, muscle spasm as a result, depending on where they're injured. And one of these nerves that I've described just here will look maybe something like this. And this is again an oversimplification, but it gets the point across. In this nerve, we've got a bunch of blue nerves, little nerve, little mini nerves, that control sensation or we'll send signals back to the brain telling it about sensation. And then we've got a bunch of red nerves that send signals down from the brain to the muscle to tell it to do something. So if we have an injury that either chemically through inflammation or physically through a, a a trauma direct pressure starts to occupy this area we're going to get inappropriate signals coming here and this may be uh it might be that pain in your leg if you've got sciatica it might be that tingling in your fingers if you've got uh, a neck issue where it's hit that particular part of the nerve and therefore we've got those particular symptoms so if you you're someone that's got um if we take the example in the lower back because i know many of you guys watching this will have lower back issues as well Um, If we take the example of someone who's got an L4-5 injury and it's hitting the L4 nerve, for example, you may get numbness in the L4 distribution. You may also get loss of power in muscles that are controlled by the L4 nerve. But each injury, although they may feel very different, and have very different levels of disability attached to them for each individual, the treatment for those is going to fundamentally be exactly the same. And this is where we're kind of jumping ahead to treatment side of things. The treatment, is there to reduce the inflammation and the pressure on that nerve. Just because it's hitting this part or this part, we don't need a different treatment strategy, really. There may be more pain associated, with one the more disability associated with the other, but you can't be specific with treatment as to whether it was this part of the nerve or this part of the nerve that was influenced. And that there's a little bit more com- uh, complexities around which parts would be impacted. Uh, in, in actual fact, in many cases, if there's a pressure directly, mechanically from a disc bulge here, it's technically not always these nerves that actually get the most pressure put on them. Sometimes it's these in the middle because of shearing forces that come in, but I'm getting into too much complexity here. Fundamentally, the tingling in your fingers is going to be caused uh, by pressure on the nerve, halfway up the nerve, and your brain is incapable of actually distinguishing between where along that nerve it's come. We always assume that it's come at the end of the nerve, that, is, uh, that, that that section of your uh, brain is mapping out. So then we come to the second cause. The second cause is gonna be vascular in the upper body and we're going back up to the upper body now. And this is where you've been in a funny position. Maybe you've been reading in bed, maybe you've been stretching. For example, we do have a very good chest stretch, which really helps open out your rib cage. Are uh, we lying on the floor in this sort of position? You could check that one out on the YouTube channel. That really helps with your posture and opening the chest out. But if the muscles down the side of the neck, which are these here, and the pecs in particular one called pec minor, is this one here, are very, very tight. They will put pressure on the vascular tissue. And the very easy way to distinguish between a nerve causing the tingling in your, in your hands or fingers, say for example, a disc bulge in the neck or banging your arm here, and a vascular cause of that tingling in your fingers and, and, and arms is going to be, does it go away if we take the pressure off? So if we start shaking our arms out and moving them around a little bit and get blood flow back into those arms, that numbness, that tingling will go away very, very quickly when it's vascular. The other characterization is the vascular will be kind of very general. It won't have a pattern to it. If you bang your, your funny bone, which is your ulnar nerve, like this example here, you're going to feel this part here goes. Nothing wrong here, this part here, because that nerve is controlling a specific part of the body. Whereas the vascular, the vascular, um, variation when we block that artery, that is just pr- supplying the whole area. Like if you put a dam in the middle of a river, everything downstream is going to be affected. It's going to be negatively impacted by that. So the vascular side of things is a lot more easy to self diagnose, and then the, core, the the treatment side of things to improve those circumstances is very very simple. This blood vessel. And actually there are some nerves that come in here called the brachial plexus, which actually travels with here. So we can get, without loading you guys down with too much information, we can get a mix of vascular and nervous in this same cause. We've got the scalene muscles and some other muscles which come from the neck. So if we've got that classic forward head posture, these muscles are very, very tight and they restrict down on that blood, uh, blood flow as it comes out, especially when we bring the head back up. And then we've got the pecs from that rounded shoulders posture, very, very tight here. And this is called a neurovascular bundle, a a group of blood vessels and nerves goes under those muscles and then down the inside of your arm, just down here. And if we compress those with those muscles being tight, then you're going to cut off circulation. So what do we do? We stretch those out a little bit more, which may give us some temporary numbness in the hands, but that's okay. And then with time, we'll improve the flexibility of these pecs, the flexibility of these muscles on the side of the neck. And that's going to help that vascular cause incidentally it's also going to put less stress on the neck itself and therefore we're likely to have a positive impact on any any uh, nerve causes because those commonly originate in the cervical spine it's a disc bulge it's some degenerative change it's a minor whiplash injury that can happen in the neck leading to inflammation leading to pressure on the nerve leading to your brain thinking it's your hand that's the problem it could be your shoulder it could be your fingers it could be your arm it could be in the back here, but it's all coming from the neck and your brain doesn't have the ability to distinguish where along that nerve got injured, just that that nerve is supposed to control this area and therefore it assumes that is where the pain will be or that's where the signals come from. So That's pretty much it for today's live stream. We've jumped around a little bit down to the lower back. If any of this didn't make sense to you, please do comment in the questions below, ask those questions to help you better understand it. I hope the nerve sort of diagram here has helped you understand that if you're experiencing some weakness, or some numbness. Maybe you've watched videos or some of our other videos where we've talked about numbness in that, when you've got an L4-5 or L5-S1 injury, but actually you've got muscle loss, or the other way around. And actually understand that you know what, quite often patients want something that's specific to them, but we need to be specific to the injury, not necessarily always symptoms when we're talking about rehabilitation and fixing things. Because if we've got an L4-5 injury in the lower back or a C5-6 injury in the neck, we know we need to take pressure off that area. We could have a variety of different symptoms, but we need to treat them in a very similar manner to get effective resolution to that problem um, and, and dealing with it more effectively. So, Q&A. Okay, yeah,
1: brilliant. Um, hi, everybody. Okay, so just a quick question. If you do have
0: neck pain- Yeah, just repeat um, that, Lark, I just turned the mic on.
1: Okay, sorry. Just, so just a quick question about the tingling and the numbness yeah. in the fingers. If you, let's say you don't have neck pain, but you've got those mm-hmm. symptoms, and that's you, the biggest problem and, and you start to treat the neck how long does it take usually to, to get rid of those, those it, 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 it
0: really depends on what this what the um what the, the injury is but that is the biggest problem it's actually explaining this to someone who doesn't have neck pain or who or in in the case of sciatica they don't have back pain they say well you know stop talking to me about my back because it's my leg and, and we as practitioners often just you know, assume that the patient is sometimes on the same wavelength and we've said once that it's the back, so that message has gone in and sometimes it's it's quite a paradigm shift. Um, so in terms of the time scales we're talking about, well, if you've got a minor strain because you slept a bit funny, then it's going to recover in a day. But if we've got some serious cervical spondylosis or something like that, or we've got some serious instabilities in the cervical spine, it's going to take a bit more time. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of dependent. Unfortunately, it's not a very good answer, but it's dependent on the degree of damage. Um, We've had some patients, for example, uh, a young girl the other year who had a contracture of these muscles and they were just stuck and Mm -hmm. couldn't open the hand out. Well, that actually, there wasn't that much pain associated with that. It was just a a severely um, uh, unhappy muscle that just wasn't doing his job and therefore the actual hand wouldn't function properly. And we just found that slowly with the rehabilitation, with the work primarily on the neck, and then later the introduction of muscle exercises to start to rehabilitate the loss in power in this arm, because it had been going on for a long period of time before she saw us, um, that was able to actually really rebuild um, and really make some serious improvement in the actual strength of those things. So for some people that have um, muscle issues, sometimes it's not even pain, there is no pain which is all the more difficult and more important that we really understand or help, exp- exp- I feel like I'm lecturing other practitioners rather than you know, rather than a lot of you guys, but it's really important that we as practitioners and, and you as patients asking practitioners explain this to you guys so you can really get your head around it because it's not always pain or, or tingling that's the problem with these sorts of issues.
1: And is it something that's, that's fairly serious and that, that should be addressed, especially if you're getting numbness and weakness? Do you really want to address the issue in order for you not to have a, uh, a a long-lasting
0: impact. Oh yeah, we, well we definitely want to take pressure off those nerves. You know, if you've got if you've got a long-term pressure on the nerves, then that's definitely not a good good sign. Um, the 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 most easy way to start to understand this is firstly you want to distinguish: is it vascular? If it's vascular, it's really not significant at all. We just need to get a bit of stretching done, we'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Okay, a lot of, of us bad posture, etc., tightness, imbalances. Um, those may have other issues on the neck, but it's not a serious issue at all. If we've got any sort of transient neurological so nerve issues then if they're transient they're on and off then we want to be sensible we want to get this situation under control we want to fix that neck quickly um, to really resolve the underlying issue Uh, but we're probably not in the realms of causing any sort of or risking any imminent nerve damage when we've got permanent 24 7 because a lot of patients come in and say that I have, it's always there, it's always there. But please, I know these things when they're there for a long period of time, and the same goes for the lower back, it can feel like it's always there. But quite often, on further questioning, you actually realize that there are times in the day where it is not there or not there on the same scale. And that is very important diagnostic information because it allows us to appreciate the severity of the problem. And although it may feel like it's always there, sometimes you notice that there are periods in time where it's actually not and that's important even if it's just transient for short periods of time it indicates that maybe the irritation is not as permanent as one would have thought which bodes well that's positive positive. and when we've got these sorts of issues they we can get caught into quite a negative mindset which is not helpful and it's important to at least identify some positives uh, because there's always going to be something i would hope
1: okay great um ollie has asked how does carpal tunnel syndrome play into this I think that's fairly similar isn't it but it's just with the yeah movement, so ca- uh, carpal, right carpal tunnel syndrome is
0: another another occur um another spot where the hand can get caught where the nerves can get caught because they run fairly close to the surface they run through this region here just underneath uh, some ligamentous type structures that are that are here and essentially there, there's a way you can actually give yourself this but if you cock your wrist like that and I, I won't do it but you just start mm-hmm. banging on this part here just tapping, tapping, tapping you're going to start to get numbness in your hand because you're just tapping that nerve and that's quite a... <laughs> Interesting test for you to do on yourself because it allows you to appreciate what I'm talking about more specifically. Um, but carpal tunnel is another opportunity. There are other area, other issues that co-occur with carpal tunnel. Some ladies suffer during pregnancy. We've got things like rheumatoid arthritis where we have inflammation of and that's very important. Rheumatoid arthritis is not osteoarthritis they're very different you won't be you're highly unlikely to be responsibly diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis unless you've had a blood test because you need the presence of rheumatoid factor and to fit in a a number of other uh, occurrences at the same time Uh, most people conflate those two and they're very very different one is an autoimmune condition one is not Uh, one is just wear and tear Um, but with something like rheumatoid arthritis and other conditions you get inflammation of the synovium synovium is basically lubrication where tendons run through small spaces and if we've got a small space here that a nerve travels through then inflammation of that small space can put pressure on the nerve exactly the same as inflammation in the neck where the nerves come out of these small holes can also put pressure on the nerve so um Carpal tunnel is another example of where we can irritate a nerve in a vulnerable spot.
1: Okay, brilliant. And um, Karen's asked if diabetes is the cause. Is there a quick fix to relieve the pain? Uh,
0: no, no, it, and it won't. It won't. Uh, with 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 glove and stocking peripheral neuropathies, they're generally well, if it's if it's diabetic neuropathy, glove and stocking type distribution, they're not ten. They don't tend to be. Too painful in terms of the magnitude of the pain scale, but they do tend to be quite disabling. And and really, it's a case of we need to be proactive. That sort of question is is important that we've asked that question because it's quite a lot of these problems. People are looking for quick fixes, and quick fixes lead to lead to quick quick fixes, which quickly unwind. And something like diabetes is a long-standing problem that has built up over decades. And you guys, if you've watched any of our live streams more recently or over the last couple of weeks and months, then you'll know me using the example of cake and eating cake for a long period of time. And if we've really um, completely assaulted our poor little pancreas and our ability to effectively modulate our sugar levels in our body, then it's gonna take more than a quick fix to actually fix that. The good news is it can be done. We can really make improvements in diabetes and at least the process of the process of that, uh, of that diabetic neuropathy. But it's so much better if you know, if you've been to the doctor and you've had your blood test taken and they've said you've got a little bit of high sugar levels, then please get it sorted because it's so simple to do. And it's, it can happen relatively quickly, not overnight, but relatively quickly in the, in the space of a few months. You can really turn around those blood sugar levels, but it's something that you really need to change for long term. It's it's invariably going to be a lifestyle change. We've had the lifestyle of eating sugary, highly processed foods, and I'm getting way off the topic of neck pain here <laughs> um, or neck issues. We've got into the into the lifestyle of having sugary processed foods and uh, and um, thinking that things like oatmeal or uh, oats in the porridge in the morning is uh, with fruit is not sugar when oats get broken down to sugar, the fruit gets broken down to sugar, and we're giving ourselves a huge sugar spike first thing every morning. Just because of not properly looking at some of the things that we've been told in the past and are digesting those issues correctly, um, you can make a big difference with things like diabetes. But you just need to a little bit of guidance, I think.
1: Yeah, am I right in thinking that it'd be quite gradual onset?
0: Anyway, yeah, so it, you wouldn't get it overnight. You
1: speak to a GP about. Yeah. And, you know, I'd hope the GP guidance. would give
0: you some real guidance, but yeah. we can we can always do we've had some patients that have come with that and we've we've given them a bit of guidance and they've really done well and turned those numbers around the blood numbers uh in relatively short space of time you're talking about uh, as i said a couple of months you can really turn it around so maybe we'll do a live stream on that at some
1: point yeah um okay joe has asked can the numbness and tingling run up the arm too should i be worried if this happens
0: I think if you mean spread up the arm, then arguably yes, because it could be the different parts of this nerve are being affected. Because quite often, as many of you guys know with back pain, a lot of, a lot of people are doing the wrong exercises. So you've injured that, that, that disc in the neck and we're doing these sorts of exercises looking down loads. So you know, what started out a little bit in the finger here, all of a sudden is all down the arm because we've made the problem worse. Um, so you can definitely make it, make it spread up the arm. Um, I think I think if pain yeah.
1: is ever spreading and moving, that's what you always want to be. You, you have to check it out. Well, there are,
0: so there are some, some scenarios. You definitely want a bit of support if, if the things are moving around. But when we've got things like nerve issues, sciatica, et cetera, what we do find in clinic with treatment is that a good number of cases, more than not, the actual symptoms will start to recede towards mm-hmm. the location in the spine. So you might find that, for example, the numbness starts to go, and then we've got we're left with a little bit of neck stiffness, and then that goes last. So that can happen. In the case of sciatica in the lower body, you find that the pain that was in the leg starts to dissipate and travel back up to the spine, and we're left with a bit of back pain, and then that goes last. So that is something that that we is is a phenomenon that we do frequently notice. Um, so that that would be not cause for concern. That would actually be cause for not celebration, but a good outlook because it's progressing in a in a positive way
1: okay also neil on youtube um, yep. has left a comment this was about the uh, the back pain in the mornings he said yep. um when he when he gets up he often lies on his front for a couple of minutes and props himself up slowly on his elbows basically doing um the, cobra, the cobra. yeah yep. um he said is it fine to do this um
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, so the Cobra position um, is definitely going to be better than knee hugs. So I definitely would be doing that. Um, I would really try try the wiggle. Try the wiggle that we mentioned. I'd try the towel. If you find that, that the Cobra works, then try the towel in bed before you get up because that can actually be a really good one. Um, a lot of people find that the towel is more comfortable, more pleasant, more effective than the uh, Cobra position, mainly because we have that pivot on the lumbar spine, we can make sure that it opens out and takes pressure off the discs and puts a stretch through here nicely and unloads the, the muscles rather than the cobra position, which is just one lever pushing up. Yeah. And sometimes, if we've got any arthritic change in these joints at the bottom, that can sometimes create a bit of discomfort, which is why uh, we do hear quite a lot people that have tried that position in the past um, and find it difficult find a lot of lot more relief in the towel and can't sometimes quite. find it quite shocking okay
1: awesome um i think that's it for today
0: awesome that's good uh do you know what we're talking about tomorrow
1: um yes tomorrow the topic is back pain and hip pain and that's at 8 45
0: a.m okay well, well we'll see you guys tomorrow hopefully you found today's live stream helpful if you're new to the channel you found this one helpful then please do consider subscribing to the channel we do these live streams every single weekday Uh, typically they're going to be in the morning. So uh, make sure that you are subscribed, you hit the notification bell so you don't miss these out. If you do find these helpful or know anyone else would benefit from these live streams, then we'd really appreciate it if you'd uh, share it with them. Hopefully they'll uh, benefit. And if they've got any questions, then they'll be able to come on to our Q&A. We do the Q&A every single live stream just as a way of helping you guys as much as we can. And with that being said, enjoy your afternoon, enjoy your evening, and we will see you tomorrow with another live stream. Thanks for watching, guys.